This show is brought to you by the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only app you need to dominate fantasy football and become your own expert. In this app is fantasy player cards with every single fantasy viable stat, fantasy player grades, usage charts, start sit tools, who to draft tools, player comps, podcasts, consistency charts, game logs, coaching tendencies, articles, rankings, waivers, and every stat and advanced stat you need, including stats you can only find at Brodo Fantasy that are proven winning stats, including true throw value, true target value, true performance value, adjusted air yards, and true matchup ranking. All this and more is available right now for free. All you have to do is go to anywhere you download apps and type in Fantasy Football by Brodo, and you just download it and become your own expert. Dominate your fantasy leagues with the only tool you need today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only tool you need to dominate fantasy Football. Week six is in the books and lucky number seven is on the horizon. And today we are here to talk about it. It is me, your host, of course, the host with the most, Tim Petrop. That's that was corny. I, I, I kind of want to redo that, but I'm just going to let it flow because I got my guy right here next to me. Uh, the the one and only Matt Ward. What's good, brother? going on it's going on it's good to be here it's always good to be here i love the monday version podcast it's just fun to recap stuff yeah man there's it's, it's really like low low um risk you're not you're not putting yourself uh you're not putting yourself out there at all you're just talking about what happened uh no michael today michael's actually a little under the weather got a little cold um so he you know michael works real hard for the brand uh behind the scenes uh michael does a lot of the little things that go unnoticed for the brand so michael getting a much deserved day off um and because he's sick, too. Cause he doesn't just, didn't just want to take a day off. He's sick. Um, but, yeah, so shout-out to Michael, though. Uh, we got some shout-outs for him coming up. Uh, but, Matt, usually we like to, to shoot the shit and everything. But, to be honest, we just shot the shit for about half an hour before we got on here. <laughs> and on top of that, um, we have so much news to get to. So, yeah. Matt, let's just get right into it. Let's let, let's let Donnie H. serenade us, and then let's get into this. Bring us in, Donnie. Those stories and more in just two minutes. Stay with us. Thanks for joining us this half hour. I'm Don Harrison. Around the world in 30 minutes. This is Headline News. Oh, man, it's ain't, it ain't Monday without Donnie H. It ain't Monday without Donnie H. All right, so look, there's a lot of news. Now, some news is more important than others, but as you know, we go down the Roto World feed. We're just going to go in time order at this point. Um, it is 8.40 on the East Coast right now of the United States. So uh, we have this news coming up to date as soon as up to date as we can. Uh, the Monday Night Football game is playing. We're actually not watching the game today. Are you watching the game, Matt? Yeah, I've got it on. Yeah, I don't have it on today, man. I have no uh, I have no way to put it on, unfortunately. Um, but, um, yeah, we're just going to go in order. All right, so the first headline, and Matt, when he heard this, almost had... Like, I've never seen Matt's orgasm face, but I would imagine it's close to what I saw when it, he heard it this probably news. probably looked exactly like that. <laughs> Cardinals coach Cliff Kingsbury said that he'd be open to giving up offensive play-calling duties. Um, as the Bob McManaman on Twitter says, I am open to anything that helps us win and score more points. We're going to see where everything goes, but yeah, whatever it takes to win. That doesn't sound like a guy that really, like, offered up his job just looks like it sounds like he's saying something to a question uh, Matt what kind of like impact do you think that Cliff Kingsbury not calling plays for the right now insanely terrible insanely terrible insanely terrible it, like uh, atrociously bad uh mm-hmm. offense for the Arizona Cardinals uh what kind of impact do you think they could have I mean I think it's going to be massive in all honesty I'm not sure that any play caller is going to be um worse than Cliff I, I mean I don't know who they're going to have take over that position but there's just one apparent thing that's wrong with that offense and it's certainly not the talent they have surrounding um phenomenally magical quarterback and kyler murray and yeah some news that we're obviously going to have to bring up later is marquise brown out for a minimum of six weeks it looks like mm-hmm. but you know hopkins is back and rondale moore is healthy and kyler is kyler and 
you know, Benjamin's got some juice and Robbie James Anderson should be back soon. And I mean, they just got Robbie and a lot of news just surrounding the Cardinals, yeah. really. Yeah. Cardinals <laughs> making um, a lot of noise today. Uh, yeah. So all of that said is the biggest problem with that team. 100% is the offensive play calling because they just have held every team that they faced, you know, under 20 points, but can't score more than that themselves after being uh, number five offense last season. And so in case you're not really super plugged into uh, the offseason news, um, let's say if you don't listen to the podcast year round, which shame on you, you should. Um, but if you don't, uh, the, the, the Cardinals just gave Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury and their general manager five year extensions. After having a, for a billion dollars total. Yeah, for a, a, a ridiculous amount of money. And you, so you're kind of stuck with this. And this is not like a trust the process thing. This is not like a like when John Gruden got a 10-year deal from the Raiders. Like, that's not what this is. This is a – they've already been at this, and then they had some monicum of success for a half a season. And now all of a sudden, you give them all this money after completely blowing it. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Well, you decimated the defense in order to afford this, and now your team sucks, and the offense the sucks. looks good. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the defense does the look good. The offense is the problem for sure, and they just lost Justin Pugh as well, which, I mean, he's been declining anyway, but now he's out for the rest of the season. Um, it's it's bad news. Uh, some good but news. I think oh, changing ahead, the play caller might help. <laughs> I, I'm with you. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury has been a relative disaster. I'd say he had he's had some... Success. He made the playoffs, but he's been a disaster so far. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, in good news, uh, Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel said he expects him to start in Week 7. Uh, the Dolphins are in a quarterback carousel right now. They're, they're quarterbacks. Whoever's in the game just cannot stop getting hurt. Uh, so him coming back is going to be a welcome uh, thing for the Dolphins uh, next week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, hopefully a little bit of a boost to Jalen Waddle too, who's been kind of the odd man out with uh, Teddy and Skylar Thompson taking snaps under center. Another guy, Dak Prescott, speaking on Monday, McCarthy said Dak Prescott is expected to return to practice on Wednesday, and he expects to make the start against the Lions. The Cowboys have proven themselves to be one of the better teams in the NFC, if, if I'm looking at it. Right now, only two teams in the NFC are over 500, so the NFC is like a like – a, just like a crab in a bucket type situation where everyone's trying to get to the top and you add a guy like Dak Prescott at this point and you could really put that team over the top, especially because, you know, Cooper Rush is limited in what he can do. So all of a sudden everyone takes a, a step up because Dak is back and the Lions are a nice defense to come back against. I mean, I know they have they have two weeks to prepare, but uh, the Lions defense, if, if you don't remember, before, before they went on a bye week, was absolutely atrocious. So Dak Prescott in a really nice spot here. And uh, important to note, this is the time frame, too. He's not coming back early. He was four to six weeks. He's been out six weeks. So he's not coming back early. He should be healed like even a normal human would be healed here, not just one of these superhuman athletes um, that play on the football field Back. every Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I think the biggest uh, boost, and hopefully he's healthy enough to play or they can find him some, you know, more snaps and more routes is Dalton Schultz because he's been the only member of that offense that hasn't really had a big game with Cooper Rush under center. Uh, David Newton of ESPN said that Baker Mayfield was not wearing a walking boot in the locker room on Monday. Um, I don't know if that's good news or bad news for the Panthers because – <laughs> the Sam Darnold experience, baby. I'm the only. Oh, I'm the God. only guy that that ever gave Sam Darnold a Mike's chance. Not here to, to no, he's not. He's not. He's not here to stop me. I was told I, I could not talk about Sam Darnold anymore on the podcast because I had the nerve to say he's better than Baker Mayfield. This scrub. He's way better than this scrub. Anyway, uh, next. Uh, this is a bit, this is one that hurts. Uh, Ian Rappaport reports that an MRI showed that wide receiver Marquise Brown has a non-surgical fracture in his foot and will be out about six weeks. Now, this is good news because, I mean, it's good-ish news because they were afraid it was a re-injury of his Liz Frank injury that he injured in college. Um, it is not that, so th very, very important. I have a friend that, that fractured his Liz Frank, and he literally stepped on just like something on the street and refractured it. Like it's that's how like that's list Frank injuries are no joke, and uh, I'm I'm happy that this is good news slash bad news 
Um, because we're never going to get to see that, oh, I can't wait till DeAndre Hopkins comes back and Marquise Brown is there and Rondell Moore is there, and now we're going to have a full helping of these supposedly great weapons for the Arizona Cardinals, and now it doesn't look like we're going to see that maybe maybe ever because who knows what type of uh, shape Hopkins comes back in, especially because he's off the PEDs. Yeah. Oh, 100%. There's a lot of concerns surrounding all of that situation. Um, Randall Cobb is going to miss some time. Uh, you know, shouldn't have been on your fantasy roster anyway, but get well soon, Randall Cobb. James Conner was listed as a did not practice on Monday. Uh, this is a good one. DeAndre Hopkins activated. Look, I got to tell you, man, if, if he does come back, if and you've been waiting on DeAndre Hopkins, like, for example, so Johnny in our home league, he had a couple bad injuries. He had a he had a he would tell you himself he did not have a good draft. Uh, he went into the season with Clay, Trace Claypool as one of his starters, uh, but he he would he would have told you. I mean, but he's two and four, so he has a chance. He just won, and he's desperate for talent. He's been sitting on DeAndre Hopkins, and he wants to see if, should I put him in the lineup the first game he comes back. Matt, what say you? If someone asks you that question. I mean, absolutely. You have to for what you drafted him for. And considering the time frame and the way that everything lined up with them losing their ultimate wide receiver one um, in Hollywood, then, I mean, yeah, you have to. It's not even about vacated targets or any of that theory. It's just the fact that there's a wide open role for somebody that just had a 30% target share and everybody's going to get a little bit of that pie. Yes, sir. Um, Deshaun Jackson will visit the Ravens on Tuesday. I figured, I figured that was uh, something that we should mention. That's so interestingly silly. Uh, <laughs> like Will Fuller's a free agent and Deshaun Jackson and Robbie Anderson are getting involved in trades and getting called up from practice squads. And Yeah. Uh, that must just be like, mean real bad, bad things for Will Fuller in all honesty. Bad, Will, what's going on? Just a random what? thought in my head. <laughs> I dropped, I, you know, I was in a dynasty league. I was holding on to Will Fuller. Then this is not one of the dynasty leagues that we play in where there's fucking 40 roster spots. It's like it's a 16 team league and we have like regular redraft roster spots where there's only like six bench players. And I was holding on to maybe more, maybe like seven bench players. And I was holding on to Will Fuller and I was just finally, I finally just had to cut him this week. I had to, I had to let him go. I had to cut yeah. him. I don't know what it's to so, do with this yeah, guy. Just- I mean, he, I feel like he should be on an NFL roster looking at the state of wide receivers um, everywhere. <laughs> who, know, who knows? Who like, knows? I, I don't know him. what the inside story is, that's for sure. But it, it always comes up in my mind when I see all this wide receiver movement. I got to see if he has inst- – like, I got I to gotta go stalk his Instagram or something, see what he's been up to. Like, like, is he even in shape for this? I don't know. Um, someone who's not going to be in shape to play over the next four to six weeks, starting quarterback for the uh, Washington Commanders, Carson Wentz. Uh, broke his finger, fractured his finger in Thursday's win over the Bears. Ugh, this one's a tough one. Wentz had his has had his moments, has not played well, um, but he's had his moments. I could tell that the injury has like affected his play. Uh, he hurt his shoulder previously, so maybe this is a good thing to to rest the shoulder and come back. But good thing for fantasy owners, fantasy uh, owners, but not 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 really. Uh, commanders fans is that Tyler Henneke takes over and Henneke can lead an offense. He can score points. Uh, is he good enough to win games in a very tough NFC East? Uh, probably not, but uh, he is good enough to get some Washington commander, some points. So I don't think it's going to have that much of effect. It could even have a positive effect on a guy like Terry McLaurin, who has some sort of built in rapport with Heineke. That's very true. And Terry's kind of been, you know, again, kind of like the odd man out with uh, Wentz shortening his uh, depth of target to Curtis Samuel and obviously his red zone favorite target before the injury was Jahan Dotson. So absolutely, I think that's a narrative to watch out for. And it's from a dynasty perspective, it's definitely not Sam Howell, which is, you know, disappointing for sure. But I mean, like the kid's been a healthy scratch five, six weeks in a row now. Actually, here we go. Yeah. So, I mean, the commanders have no plans of he hasn't even been on the field to be a backup yet. So they have no plans of him starting anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even think of the name Sam Howell. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah. But I mean, I like, but you know, uh, he's definitely on a hundred percent of dynasty rosters. That's true. <laughs> uh, Rashad Bateman, uh, John Harbaugh said that he is close to a return. I don't really know what that means, but I know that the Ravens' offense needs needs Rashad Bateman. It is very clear that they are hurting without 
a guy. Like Rashad Bateman, yeah. Bateman may not be alpha alpha quite yet, uh, but he's the most talented wide receiver on that roster by miles. So he, he's he's That's- a welcome addition. Um, Robbie Anderson traded from the Panthers. Did you see the the scafu that happened, uh, the snafu that happened on uh, the sideline on Sunday? Yeah, yeah, of him arguing with his quarterback or the quarterback and wide receiver coach, and then he was. Um, I guess a few minutes later, did it again, and the head coach came over and was just like, "I'm gonna deal with this. He's out of here." He did like a side smirk, like, like he didn't even come to like he was in an argument with the guy at first, and then he didn't even talk to him. He just side smirked and did like the, like you know that face when you're like, "Yo, mother," you know what I mean? Like when yeah, you're yeah. like, <laughs> like, it, like he did that kind of face. So it takes yeah. a lot of it takes a lot of like um, takes a lot of balls. For a interim oh, he, head he coach, he worked his way out of there. Oh no, no, I'm not even talking about Robbie. Robbie's just being Robbie. Like oh. Robbie had these moments with the Jets, like where you gotta remember, man. Robbie is Robbie's from like yeah, yeah, humble beginnings. Let's just put it that way. Like if you ever know the if you know the story of Robbie Anderson, uh, you got. I, I like the guy. Uh, sometimes like do yo dude just like has these outbursts. He just can't control his anger sometimes. So he did that again. Steve Wilkes. Has the the balls? He's a first time. He's a head. Co- he's a guy who messed up his first time head coaching job with the with the Cardinals. Although it hasn't been going great since then. This is first game back in a struggling team, and he just kicks a player off the sideline in his first game. Like, bro, <laughs> all right, okay, yeah, like all right, Steve Wilkes. If anyone was wondering who the alpha male is in that locker room, Steve Wilkes just fucking. Fucking uh, decided that. Interesting, interesting. I did not know this news. I'm Jack Easterby, who was it was made a uh, it was made a big deal. Um, he's the executive vice president of football operations. Um, he was fired by the Texans. Who him him and uh, Nick Casario were supposed to be like oh, this this dream team. I, I did that. Yeah, there. yeah. Uh, not quite. Uh, anyway, I think that's the last piece of news. Uh, it looks like now we're getting into the player notes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, not too bad, man. 16 minutes, Michael will be proud of us. I think so, because there was a lot to cover. We, we touched the implications. And I'll tell you what. One of the things that I, I mentioned is that we had a pretty good uh, we had a pretty good we had a pretty good week. In the preview week last week, I mean, we didn't hit everything. I, I know I didn't. Hit, Jeff Wilson was a big swing and a miss, but I think every single person in, in in fantasy football, swinging a miss on Jeff Wilson this week. Um, but besides that, we were pretty on point. We saw some stuff coming. So let's tell you about some stuff we saw coming uh, with the I saw that coming. I saw that coming from a mile away. Oh, yeah. All right. So, Matt, who is your first saw that coming? Uh, it's going back to the preseason to you know every week and the guy that i've touted as the overall wide receiver won a few times this year and that's stefan diggs and in, in another big game um despite gabe davis having a big game beside him again the bills and the chiefs didn't necessarily have the shootout that we predicted on last week's pod um and that everybody predicted with that high over under except tony uh, romo the usual suspects i'm, I'm sorry to cut you well, off yeah I mean, did you see, did, said, no no but did you, you see that uh, that's so right i forgot about that yeah yeah it's like i think it was two and a half minutes into the game and he goes you know this is going to be a 20 to 24 type of game unless somebody goes off and then maybe 30 20 <laughs> which is like, and that was wow. the exact score wow, 24 20 tony romo well done yeah. anyway tony continue romo, matt he knows the script too well yeah but you know what i was getting to i think was um yeah the usual suspects uh sure came out to play uh stefan Diggs saw 13 targets for a 32 and a half percent target share he caught 10 balls for 148 yards and one touchdowns uh 30.8 ppr points He's averaging 25.10 points per game this season, which is wide receiver one. Um, something I, again, was a big proponent of. He has a 26.4% target share, which is a little lower than the target share that I thought. But Josh Allen is just passing at a ridiculous rate and an MVP caliber rate at that. Um, he's still getting the allotted amount of targets that I predicted, though, which was 170 plus over the season. And he's averaging 10.8 per games, which is 
fantastically um, in line with wide receiver one overall projections. And like Gabe Davis can go ahead and get his long ball touchdowns on busted coverages every other game and every other play even. But if Stefan Diggs is going to maintain this level of target share with Josh Allen, it's claimed to the wide receiver one thrown, maybe nothing shy of imminent and inevitable. And I hope from your mouth to God's ears, sir, because I traded for Stefan Diggs before the season in my home league and it is paying dividends big time. Uh, so I, I traded Aaron Jones and Darren Waller for him. Like I, I, well, I remember we were we me, talked dog. through that trade one night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Matt Matt is my go to guy for trades. Go to guy. I know market market's probably my best strength. That sure. is that Matt, you have a very keen sense of the market. I will say that. That's why it's very hard to trade with you because I already, I already know. I'm like, all right, if he wants these it players, is. then they're they're valuable. All right. There's already something. <laughs> all right. Uh, speaking of valuable players, the Browns running backs have been valuable players. But last week, you know, I you know I've been I've been singing the, both of these guys' praises all year, uh, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. But I told you last week, expect down because what Bill Belichick does better than any other coach, and I'm a Jets fan which, hell yeah, this weekend, hell yeah, um, what they do better than any other team is shut down the other team's weaknesses. That's what Bill Belichick has been doing since he is the defensive coordinator for the New York Giants. Like, there is, there, it's, it's just historic. Like, there is no other person who could do it. This is why he is who he is. They did it again. The Browns were running rough shot and... Nick Chubb had 58 yards. Kareem Hunt was completely a uh, a uh, uh, afterthought. He scored 1.9 half PPR points. Please tell, please everyone. I hope you did not start Kareem Hunt, um, and and you listened to the podcast and 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 listen to us plead with you and tell you and and crunch time where Matt uh, went in on Matt on do not play Kareem Hunt on crunch time, at least for the time I was there. I missed so much crunch time today because I was playing football. Last week I was playing football. I was so mad. I love crunch time. If you don't know what crunch time is, by the way. But you won. The live – oh, we did. The live uh, – we did win. And, and the other team was talking so much shit. Anyway, the live show on Sunday between uh, – what is it? 12 – what's the what's the times again? 10.30 and 12? 10.30 a.m. Yeah, yeah, 10.30 and 12. All right. An early show. Yes, Get you 10, 30, all, and 12. Your, all your panic out. And they guarantee start sit decisions. And I'm going to tell you right now, even if you don't agree with them, you're not getting any more valuable statistics than you get out of Cass and Matt. Like when these guys talk, it's encyclopedia shit and they bring up things you need to know. Even if you disagree with their opinion, they still gave you the game to make that decision. So go get the game and listen to them because they're always right too. Um, with that being said, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, do not play Good call. do not play your strengths against the the Patriots. It seems so crazy, but that's just how it goes. Matt, who's your second tier up? Um yeah, I mean, you know, Travis Etienne. I like it. We anticipated ETN's explosiveness, his propensity for big plays, his receiving ability, his familiarity with Trevor Lawrence would eventually lead to a takeover for the Jaguars' backfield. And he's been on top of Brodo's buy lists multiple times this season. Um, and that buy window is rapidly closing and appears to be officially shut. Uh, he posted 102 scrimmage yards on 12 touches. He played 46% of the snaps to Robinson's 43%. And Robinson's welcomed return from the Achilles injury and 2021 and all of the praise that I was giving him is turning into an unwelcome disappointment as, as his long touchdown runs reduce and his lackluster efficiency catches up with his mediocre opportunity share. It's managers kind of just need to realize that this is also the first six weeks. The 2022 is the first six weeks of football. Travis Etienne has played in almost two years. Mm. Like it's his first six weeks as a pro and he's still this steady increase in kind of like the veteran guy getting a little bit more work. And then the rookie, the younger guy, the more explosive guy taking over as he familiarizes himself with the offense is a trend that we've seen in every single year of football forever. Like it, it just happened with Brees Hall. Like it happened with Jonathan Taylor. It, ha it happened with what well, was happening with, you know, s several other highly touted backs like Saquon before he got injured. And then it's just how it goes. Like the veterans kind of get a little bit of work at the start of the season and things start to take over. And as we're watching him steadily increase his work share and his production, which is something that everybody should have seen coming miles away. Conversely, the more time that he gets, the 
lower James Robinson's value in overall production is going to continue to fall. So as a dynasty asset, like Robinson never really held the liquidity or insulation that ETN had in the first place. And regardless of his previous body of work and a strong start to 2022, which is kind of a lesson in asset fragility for managers, just like undrafted free agents have very little value insulation in general. For one, it's a volatility of the running back position and like the constant turnover of young stars like ETN, like a Brees Hall coming up and, you know, being still worth draft capital um, and, you know, job turnover, um, the apparent death of the workhorse role. Like they're still in a committee, but Etienne is way more efficient and way more effective. And his touches are coming at way higher valuable situations. So like to wrap all that up, I think Etienne's on the precipice of another big value swing and one big blow up game or a God forbid and knock on wood, another James Robinson industry is going to change the landscape of that backfield entirely. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, imagine and if and if you ever need a reminder on why not to put so much stock into the first few weeks of the season, imagine the manager who was chilling with Antonio Gibson and Chase Edmonds at running back versus the manager who had uh, Brees Hall and Travis Etienne and how they're feeling now. Right. So yeah, one hundred percent. So things change. <laughs> Things change, especially when you got rookie backs, uh, young backs. Uh, speaking of things changing, uh, things changed for the Bengals offense this week, and the big guys were Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. Welcome back. This is a shout-out to Michael. Michael, even though Jamar Chase had three down games in a row, did not give up as Austin Eckler scores a touchdown, baby, yes. Um, all right, uh, Joe Burrow, uh, Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow went 300 even. And three, also added 25 rushing yards on the ground. Uh, Jamar Chase uh, went for seven catches on 10 targets, 132 and two, including two big plays. They went back to the dome. He was wearing Jamar Chase's LSU jersey, and they showed out against the Saints. Um, it was a it was a great thing to see, man. It was a it was a phenomenal thing to see, and it, a lot of it I feel like was helped out by some shoddy Saints tackling, uh, but. Besides that, you take um, Lattimore, Lattimore out of the lineup, and that's what you get. Like, <laughs> exactly. No Marshawn, no secondary. No, that guy shuts down an entire side of the field by himself, and then you can just put, you know, a line and seven other guys on the other side of the field. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, with that being said, that is our week's lot coming. I called it tear up last time so then no that's a thursday episode can't wait for this week's thursday episode because this because this last one was was good man this last one we had a good we had a good one um let's get into this surprise surprise seg segment the guys that uh yeah we did not see that coming what 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 surprise motherfucker we're gonna have to change that drop because because we guarantee a curse <laughs> every time like we gotta like i gotta just change it like, it's on me. I'm the guy who makes the drops. I love it. A little peek behind the curtain. I make the drop. I actually love it. Um, all right. So, with that being said, my first surprise, surprise, I'm going to go with this one. Uh, because I, for the first time, uh, so, you know, I have a, 11 redraft teams um, that oh. I that I manage. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, it's because a lot of them are, are Broto Leagues or whatever, but they all take priority in different ways. You know, they all have, they all like, you know, I'm... I have a you know, I have a busy schedule. So sometimes, you know, some of these leagues get a little bit um neglected. And I was still starting Allen Robinson every single week in one of these leagues. And this was the week I was just saying, "All right, I'm done with this Allen Robinson nonsense. I'm going to sit Allen Robinson." And you know what? I have a real good idea. I'm going to play uh cuz I cuz Chris Olave's out too. I'm going to play Randall Cobb because uh, I know the outside receivers on the on the Packers are not going to do great. So maybe they're going to play some slot because they got to score some points against the Jets. Right? Right? Wrong. Uh, wrong. Allen Robinson on my bench. Six targets, five receptions for 63 yards and a receiving touchdown. Also had another chance in the end zone. Uh, so very close to a two-touchdown game. The offensive line has been crappy. And they, already, and they lost a left tackle. We didn't even mention that. They lost their left tackle for lo what looks like the season now. So their offensive line was already crappy. And Tyler Higbee was playing, was not running a lot of routes. He was just on the field kind of helping block. And you saw Allen Robinson get more involved in the offense. This is something I think that could trend. I'm not, I'm not ready to put him in the uh, stock up category quite yet. Michael would be yelling at me right now. You don't even yeah, know. I know. I was going to say, Tim be doing all the things that Mike right on one Mike, episode. Michael will be yelling at me right now. No, look, look, what I'm saying is if, if someone dropped him on your waiver wire, maybe stash him. 
That's all I'm saying. If you have the room, maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, if he's on your waivers, I would probably add Allen Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't drop any fab on him, but, you know, just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just an eh. Um, with that being said, Matt, who's your first surprise surprise? I mean, I honestly, for me, I don't know that there's a bigger surprise performer in week six than Mike Gusecki finishing as the tight end over one or tight end one overall heading into my Monday night football. So there's a chance that one of these two tight ends on the field could potentially surpass him, but I don't see that happening. Uh, Gusecki had scored more than five PPR points in one contest prior to week six. In week one, he had 1.1. Uh, week two, 14.10. Week three, 1.6. Week four, 4.3. Week five, 4.0. And then in week six, 24.9. Uh, he combined for just eight targets, five receptions, and 60 yards outside of his week two performance against Buffalo, where he caught four passes and 41 for a touchdown. And then in week six, with Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson under center, Gusecki catches six passes for 69 nice yards and two touchdowns in the Dolphins' lost to the Vikings. He played only 64% of the offensive snaps and he saw seven targets, but that was only worth a 14.8% share uh, with the Dolphins unsuspectingly upping their passing uh, rate despite rolling with two backup quarterbacks. And the, the reasonings and narratives for his increased uptick in scoring are kind of irrelevant for me in this scenario. I mean, the performance is what it is on paper. It's a tight end one overall performance and over 20 points PPR, um, obviously a gigantic uptick in if you play tight end premium dynasty leagues. And if this game opens up any sort of selling window for Gasecki, I'm leaping through that window. Huh. But with that said, <laughs> I'm also kind of like, if people are willing to sell at a major discount, even though it's been like one big game, I might take a look into that as well because it's opened up the window, but there's not really any value insulation from the previous games of the season. And I do think that Mike Gusecki kind of is an interesting future asset. He's still pretty young for the tight end position. He's an incredibly ridiculous, like 99th percentile athlete across the board. And this is his last year in Miami. They did not pick up that fifth year option. He's gone. And I think he's going to have a meaningful receiving role somewhere else. I agree. So like, if, you know, uh, yeah, so I'm, I bring the dynasty heat here, and I, I don't think Mike Gusecki's current value is what his career value is going to end up being. Um, so if you kind of follow that train with me, he's more of a hold, but if I can get that second round pick, um, that increased heightened value from this one game, I'm, I'm going to take it. I like it. I like I like I like what you're selling. I'm going to buy it. Um yeah, I have Gesicki, I have Gesicki on a, a a couple of dynasty rosters, and I'm not. From what I'm seeing from him, I know I'm not going to get nothing this year. It's going to be a couple blow up games right. I'm going to miss because I'm never going to start him. That's okay, uh, but he he looks on the field like the real deal, and he has a I, if I he lands in the right spot, it could be something good. Um, like imagine if he lands in San Francisco, and then George Kittle gets hurt, and then. Eh, San Francisco maybe not the best one, the the, the best. Uh, there's better. The, there there are better places. What about Green like, Bay? Green Bay seems yeah, like a good that, spot. That would work out. All right. So yeah. all right. Uh, my second. Dallas. We did not see that coming. Uh, Dallas. Dallas would be a great spot. Uh, another one that I cursed this week. I <laughs> uh, the at when I was doing all these drafts, I was picking up Kenyon Drake as the my last pick because of the Ravens. And I knew that J.K. Dobbins wasn't there, and I knew that Kenyon Drake was gonna be was gonna get some some burn. So I was always picking Kenyon Drake in my last pick. So I have a bu- I had a bunch of Kenyon Drake, and then the news came out that Gus Edwards was coming back, and J.K. Dobbins looked like he took over the role, and it was like, all right, cool. Um, you know, Justice Hill was still playing a role. Like he it was it was one of he was one of three backs. Justice Hill was getting some work. He was one of three backs. What happens then? What happens then? I drop him. For a bunch of guys. Some good pickups, too. The waiver wire, pretty good this week. Bro, 19.2 fantasy points, 10 rushes, 119 yards, and a rushing TD. I mean, the Giants' rush defense is not good. Um, they seem like a rush funnel defense, sort of uh, in the San Diego mold. And J.K. Dobbins got hurt, so there is some caveats. And Justice Hill w- was inactive, so hurt as well. So he was the only guy back there, and he took advantage Um he should play, he should probably be on teams and play next week. I he's think playing he's the Browns. A waiver priority, yeah, yeah, <laughs> big time. So he's going to be on some teams next week. Um, damn it, damn it! I hate when that happens. 
I hate when I that happens. Feel I, it it, I feel. it feels equally. It feels worse. And I mean, when you do that, than it does when you pick up a guy like early. Yeah, Ugh. that was one of my crunch time misses was was Dobbins because he was getting that opportunity share and that snap share, and then obviously can't predict injuries, but still uh, not exciting. I mean, yeah, who could blame you? Jeez. All right, let's get into this next segment. The stock up. The guys whose stock is on the rise. Something just came across my desk, John. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last six months. Now, right now, John, the stock trades over the counter at 10 cents a share. And by the way, John, our analysts indicate it could go a heck of a lot higher than that. We are looking at a grand slam home run. Do you know who's, uh, do you know whose stock is up? Your boys. Uh, if you don't already know, I'm doing this thing called uh, Earn the Turkey. Uh, it is a very hard, disciplined thing, workout thing. Uh, come into the Discord, patreon.com slash brotofantasy. We can talk about it on the Discord because the people on Discord follow me on Instagram. I'll just let anyone follow me on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter. Like Instagram's like where I like keep my like my personal. But all the, the Discord dudes are, are with me on Instagram, and, and we and we talk. Shout out to Jay Washington, who's always who's always um, always. Um, doing this stuff with me uh but yeah down nine pounds feeling good and fire being crazy crazy disciplined until thanksgiving seven weeks no drinking no processed food no sugar outside of honey and fruits um what else what else is there oh workout four times a week movement every day that them's the rules Them's the rules, and I'm and I'm sticking to it and I'm following. But I'll keep you guys posted. So my stock is up. And shout out to Michael Juju. It was finally Juju season. <laughs> it was finally Juju season uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. In my uh, excitement, uh, my Juju stats that I had pulled up, I, I closed them because I was I was jumped back in my seat there. Um, finally, he brought and he and he did it with Yak. He did it with Yak, Matt. Yeah. This, is, this is a special occasion right here. Uh, five for five in terms of targets and receptions. 113 yards and a receiving touchdown. This is also a win for, a win for true throw value. Um, true throw value had Juju Smith-Schuster as the number – I mean, I'm sorry, true target value. True target value, and which is a derivative of true throw value, um, had him as the number 12, 12 wide receiver, uh, very similar to how we told you that T. Higgins' breakout was imminent uh, last year. And he finally paid off on the valuable targets he's getting out of the magic right hand of Patrick Mahomes. Juju Smith-Schuster um, broke some tackles and made it into the end zone. It's crazy because when you see this guy on the field, you're like, he should be better than he is. Like, his, he's giant. He's fast. He's, like, he has all the abilities, but he's just, like, I feel like he's one of those guys, not to sound cliche, but just, like, lacks the killer instinct. And I, I would love to see the killer instinct brought out of Juju. I saw a little killer instinct on that on that uh, on that run out to the catch. So shout out to Juju Smith-Schuster. Shout out to Michael who will not I'm give so up happy. on his love. Uh, which, by the way, speaking of not giving up on love, money, Mitch, money, fucking Mitch. Just say, just, money, fucking oh my Mitch. Yo, backup quarterback that comes in for injured injured quarterback and leads team to victory might be might be Mitch Trubisky's niche. Just putting it out there. He is the Robert Ory of the NFL. Anyway, all right, uh, Matt, you are next, sir. You know, I I kind of think I maybe uh, missed a little bit of a window here, but it's a surprise surprise stock up. <laughs> Let, let's put it that way um because it's actually really just to me it's incredibly interesting to see what bailey zappy's been doing mm. um with the new england patriots and i'm not going to go quite as far to say that you know he's going to take over uh the mac jones job unless we see mac struggle mightily upon his return but the there's rumblings. an outsider's chance that he surpasses the first round pick bill's done it before with brady and bloodstone in a similar situation so it's not entirely crazy um but the rookie fourth round, I mean, he's essentially a fifth round pick. He was like the second to last pick of the fourth round. He completed 24-34 for 309, two touchdowns, no interceptions, a QB rating of 118 and 21.36 fantasy points, which as it stands right now is QB9 on the week. Relatively unknown 
low-rated prospect who spent his career at Houston Baptist before <laughs> switching to a, like throwing bombs against Bible salesmen before he switched to Western Kentucky, where he set the record for passing yards, 5,967 passing touchdowns, 62 in a single season. And he only had two games that entire season where he threw for under 350 yards. But wow. it was in the Conference USA and the FBS. Like it's low-level competition throughout his entire career. But yeah, the, the kids obviously got the arm talent. So that one was a huge surprise for me. Um, that's kind of like an honorable mention, but, uh, stock can, up. I, can, can I, uh, oh, yep, cause, cause yep. my stock up is Taekwon Thornton. So I just want to kind of like, Oh yeah. Build meld that. that together. Then. Yeah, meld yeah, this yeah. together. Cause my next stock up is Taekwon Thornton here because 19.3 fantasy points, half PPR fantasy points out of this guy, three rushing attempts for 16 yards and a rushing touchdown. More importantly, five targets. Now only four receptions for 37, 37 yards and a rushing uh, receiving t- touchdown. Very much like, a. You know, speed demon. Uh, but he's a guy that's going to fly under the radar, who flew even flew under the radar the fact that he was active here. He was literally rostered in 0% of leagues before yesterday. And Bailey Zappi found him. And he did things with it. And when you think about the fact that he started behind Kendrick Bourne, Kendrick Bourne went down, he, came, he stepped up. Kendrick Bourne has been in the, dug, uh, in the doghouse all season. Uh, for New England, and they're constantly looking for playmakers. Like you said already, Bill Belichick is not afraid to make a change. This is the type of situation where I'm not guaranteeing this by any means, and I'm not saying this is the most likely scenario, but there is a less than 0% chance that Tyquan Thornton is a starting wide receiver for the New England Patriots as of next week. Like, there is a less than 0% chance of that. And at the very worst... If he continues to perform, he has a he more realistically he has the ability to do that later. So if you have a spot to stash, I think Tyquan Thornton is someone to you know you can be interested in because this is a uh, a Patriots wide receiver. This is a Patriots uh, offense that likes to make things happen and get people in space, and and this guy has the ability to uh, to do that. So uh, Tyquan Thornton, stock up. Matt, sorry for cutting you off there. Uh, who's your? No, no. I guess you got first. Your first stock up, technically. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I, my, I wanted to give since Mike's not here, he did have a little bit of the of an honorable mention um, for me in the the group chat, and that's uh, Daniel Bellinger and Wandale Robinson. And Bellinger played ninety three percent of the snaps. He led the Giants in in uh, target targets with five. He caught all five for thirty eight yards and a touchdown. My streamer and this week. Wandale, bang, bang. Yeah popped off and he's been looking like trending up. It was 73% um, snap share and then 85% snap share. And he's been the number one receiver on the team multiple weeks because they're just, you know, decrepit uh, of talent right now. And then Wandale had three for 37 and a touchdown of his own in his first game, his debut game after being um, injured. And he ran, Mike was saying, um, make sure to mention that, uh, you know, he only played 23% of the snaps. He ran 11 routes and earned, still earned four targets on those routes, caught all three, 37 yards and a touchdown. And obviously, I think that that limited snap share is an indication of, you know, his limited use inside of the offense so far. Um, and necessarily an indication of an opportunity share that's not going to maintain when that snap share increases. I think they're going to look to get Wando the ball as much as possible. Um, so I expect that opportunity share to line up with that uh, snap share as it increases into the high 80s. But with the honorable mention out of the way, and a guy that I love, although it was one of our misses, <laughs> Brandon Ayuk's stock is going mm. up, man. Um, and it's going up as long as that team is going to keep passing the ball the way they are. And they might have to if they expect to win games and they are in a win window without any draft picks and their number one quarterback sitting on the bench for, um, you know, with a broken ankle for an entire season. Brandon Ayuk had a massive fantasy performance in week six. He compiled 28.3 PPR points with eight receptions for 83 yards and two touchdowns. And the two touchdowns are where things get a little shaky because touchdowns are pretty unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And as impressive as the scoring total output was, I found his opportunity share and his route participation to be even more indicative of his rising stock. A participated in 100% of routes on Jimmy G's dropbacks. He commanded a team high 11 targets for 26.82% share. Kittle and Samuel earned 10 apiece, which is like honestly just a perfect representation of Kyle Shanahan's three target funnel passing system, which he used with Jimmy G in 2020 and 2021. A played 93% of the offensive snaps. Um, in total, leading all players other than the quarterback. He's averaging 12.62 points per game now as wide receiver 25 overall. And a statement performance like this reminds 
all managers of his wide receiver one upside that we saw in his rookie season. He's going to finish as the wide receiver four on the week, likely. And if Ayuk can maintain a team high target share in the coming weeks, his value as a fringe wide receiver three would skyrocket in a midway mid-range wide receiver two territory, which is obviously where I believe he rightfully belongs as a dynasty asset. Um, it's not going to take much, man. That team is in a position where, like, Debo Samuel had a good opportunity share. It's really, really low depth of targets. His rushing work has kind of gone out the window. He's not the efficient rusher that he was last season. And he's dropping really catchable balls. Like, he split the seams and dropped a wide-open touchdown on a very nice throw from Jimmy Garoppolo. And obviously... You know, it's not hard to get into Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. And Brandon Ayuk's been performing with every opportunity he's been given since he was removed from that doghouse last season. And since I'm the dynasty guy again, like I do think that Brandon Ayuk's going to start costing a lot more on your on your uh, league markets. Yeah, it's interesting because last week, you know, the 49ers, uh, I heard this uh, stat, I think, from Mark Sessler, are like 0-26 when they enter the fourth quarter with a 4 point lead i mean a four point deficit or more uh the 49ers are not a team built to come from behind they're a team that's uh, rush centric and usually those teams get ahead and stay ahead uh this uh this did not happen last week and what you saw and just because we're talking about the the niners and i think the people need to know this what you saw was jeff wilson get supplanted by kyle Uzcheck as the receiving back uh in these situations so i don't think you know don't go and put Kyle Juszczyk on your roster, but it's not it's not nice to know that, you know, if there's a situation um, where you have to play from behind, you know what I'm saying? Not trusting it. Not looking uh, so good. Not looking so good. Jeff Wilson, uh, stock down. Uh, not one of my stock downs, but stock down. Uh, Matt, who's your second stock up? Uh, well, let's get right into it. Ramondre Stevenson. Through the first four games mm-hmm. of 2022 season, Ramondre led the Patriots with a 52.2% snap share. He had 129 snaps, 11.9% target share. That was 14 targets. And 10 fewer rushing attempts than his counterpart, Damian Harris, who had, uh, had 53 and Stevenson had 43. It appeared to be a season-long committee and a headache to navigate. And then an injury happened to Harris against the Lions in Week 5, which opened up a massive shift in the offensive philosophy with Stevenson taking on a three-down workload and performing as an RB1. And then he did it again <laughs> in week six. He has 19 and a half and 25.1 points in the last two contests. He's the RB nine overall on the season and averaging 14.73 points per game. He saw 90% snap share and 86% snap share uh, against the Lions and Browns respectively in the past two weeks and a combined rushing opportunity share of 84.4%. He ranks first overall in evaded tackles. And I don't think that, like, Belichick has u- utilized a workhorse before, especially in the rushing attempt. And Ramondre does earn more targets than any other back um, in the backfield. Like, the workhorse role is kind of a fallacy. It, it, it's a fake. It, it's a fugazi. It, it doesn't exist. It exists in maybe three offenses in the NFL uh, right now. I'm not saying that the Patriots are one of them, but he's certainly trending up towards one of the higher opportunity shares that you're going to see from a running back um, in a true run-first offense as well. I think Ramondre, even with Harris back, I think he's kind of got the lock and the hold on the RB1 um, role for that team. And dynasty-wise, like you're going to have to pay a first-round pick to get this kid on your roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just a fact now. With the landscape, uh, and I'm going to get into the landscape deeper when it comes to kind of uh, some more game theory that I have planned for this episode, but with the landscape looking at it the way that it is in the upcoming class and, and everything and, and the way that the dynasty market is set for essentially running back tiers to completely dissipate within the next eight months, Ramondre Stevenson is about as stable as a young running back asset can get as long as he is healthy. Speaking of young running back assets, uh, the my next stock up is the guy uh, that I started against Michael to beat his ass in one of our leagues this <laughs> this week, uh, Rashawn Stevenson and Ken Walker. Uh, 18 fantasy points, 21 rushes for 97 yards and a rushing touchdown. He also added two catches for 13 yards. Uh, looked good against Arizona, an exploitable defense, his first real uh, test, and he passed it. Uh, so Ken Walker, I think you can, 
I mean, that Seattle offense is not the weak offense that we thought coming in. Um, one of the one of the reasons why I wasn't crazy about Rashad Penny is because I I thought that there would be a lot of blowouts uh, for on, on Seattle yeah. side, which I mean, there it, there could have been, but it's their offense and Geno Smith that's keeping them in these games, which is making the running game more effective. And uh, it seems as though Pete Carroll wants to to run this thing. So I think I think Ken Walker is someone that hey he went from someone you could not start in a split backfield, and this is this is another reason why like. Things change so quickly because when you go from a backfield that had two and now has one, a.k.a. Ramondre Stevenson, a.k.a. Ken Walker, all of a sudden the fallacy of workhorse becomes a real reality and mm-hmm. because of because it's forced. Like, exactly. And, yeah. and, or, or unless you're Brees Hall. Um, all right, let's get into uh, – Matt, you have one more? Uh, honorable mention to Justin Fields. If he's going to run like that, then, yeah, he's – probably going to be able to put up significant enough fantasy points to be worth a lot more than I was projecting in super flex leagues from the start of the season. And obviously quarterbacks develop and get better. Um, but 88 rushing yards on 12 attempts and 19.8 fantasy points is pretty decent for a guy that only had 120 passing yards. Uh, and I got a, I got an honorable mention for Michael, <laughs> Alec Pierce, uh, Alec Pierce. Oh, uh, facts. Yeah. Seven targets. Lock uh, up in dynasty too, for sure. Only three receptions for 49 yards, but did catch a touchdown. Uh, but on Beauty, seven, seven targets. Uh, now Matt Ryan threw the ball like wh- I think it was fifty-eight times. Uh, I mean, this Michael game. Pittman did have seventeen targets. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so but. yeah. Uh, but look, obviously part of the offense. And Michael told you to pick him up early. I uh, hope you did. All right, let's get into the last segment, the stock down segment. Players whose stock is falling. The worst day on Wall Street since the crash of 1987. The down traders are standing there watching in amazement. I don't blame them. We're now down 43%. Almost everything there completely wiped out. And the NASDAQ, everything and more has been completely wiped out. Let's talk about the speed with which we are watching this market deteriorate. Uh, Matt, in the last episode, I said that I think that even though Kyler Murray hasn't run a lot, I think that he's going to run all over the Seattle defense. And it happened. Um... He ran on 10 rushes for 100 yards. Now, if Kyler Murray runs for 100 yards, Matt, Mr. Matthew, you're expecting him to put up 24, 25, 20, maybe even 30 points. QB1. QB1. Come on. (laughs) At that point, yeah. Yeah. Put up 16. 222 passing yards, an interception, and a fumble lost. 100 rushing yards, and still... Not a usable fantasy game in a matchup where he should have been crazy. I'm not. We could have went in on the Cardinals offense here. This is the section where I wanted to go in on the Cardinals offense, but we already went in on the Cardinals offense. So I'm not going to bore you with repeating the same thing. Uh, this is this is bad. And now no Hollywood, but he does add Robbie Anderson to go opposite of. Um, yeah, yeah. Matt just kind of went uh-huh. eh, the eh face as Robbie Anderson to go opposite of DeAndre Hopkins, which is not nothing, I guess. Uh, but it's grim. It is. Uh, it's it's grim. Um, with that being said, Matt, who's your first stock down? I mean, this segment for me is kind of where game theory is going to come in, and you could probably just call it uh, good luck selling volume dependent running backs with poor efficiency metrics. But I know it'd be a long name I, for the I, segment. I'm, I'm not going to lie; that's a terrible name for the segment. <laughs> yeah, I, I should probably work on the titling a little bit. A but little bit managing. Managing a dynasty team presents several interesting, you know, causalities when you're looking at the market. Um, on one hand, running backs can be the most valuable and sought after assets if they're producing at a high rate and within the right age window. On the flip side, they're among the hardest assets to shed in trades when they're declining in value. Um, there's no better example of that than Steelers second year running back Najee Harris. So I guess that's my first stock down. We were big proprietors of fading Harris and redraft. And, and I mean, and. I was a huge provider of selling him immediately after his one-year rental, which was his rookie season when he still had a Hall of Fame quarterback to orchestrate the offense. And I I mean, I know Big Ben was declining as a passer, but you have a a Hall of Fame game manager that's checking down 20 times a game is is pretty crucial to a running back's opportunity share. Like he was the I've said this before on the podcast, but it bears repeating. Najee was the only player in over a decade of NFL running backs to sustain a negative rushing yards over expected rating with at least 300 carries. So he had less yards like he was 
well below the regression line and the only running back in 10 years to have 300 carries and be below that line because the more volume that you get you're bound to just get you know a yard over expected because offensive line will open up holes for you and he couldn't do that he doesn't create with his touches at all he just needs a ton of touches to do anything he had a league leading 86.4 percent opportunity share um and everyone and their grandma knows that volume can mask most efficiencies but now that opportunity share is dipped below 70 percent and his snap share is at 68.2 percent he's lost more than 10 percent of his rookie opportunity share in the new Steelers offense he's averaging just 10.58 PPR points per game and it's been a terrifying fall from grace from RB1 of the 2021 class that he was previously ranked on and Ryan McDowell um, of DLF Dynasty League Football who handles all of that team's ADP data um, posted today that Najee's now outside of the top 20 assets on trade markets, Oof. positional assets. So Najee's not a barely an RB2 anymore. That might be an Six. overcorrection, but Najee's definitely stocked now. But it's not hard. Sure. To, it's not hard to see that with the, you have to like take into consideration that positionally those take um, like Debbie assets into play. And mm, it's not crazy to see, you know, five running backs come in 2023. Um, even, you know, Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, Ramondre Stevenson. If Damian Harris continues to be a non-factor um, you've got, you know, a lot of young Damian Pierce, obviously, um, a lot of run, young running Ken Walker. I mean, the list kind of goes on for how many players are pushing that value below because everybody that I just named, you could not trade Najee for no. straight up one, one, no, no way. Nobody would accept it. Exactly. So that's already, and then, and then put all of the guys producing on top of that Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon, you, you know, like the list just goes on and on and on of running backs that are suppressing his value on top of his low production. And you're probably that, that includes like you would imagine like Bijan, Honey Bijan um, is going to honey. Ha- yeah, of course. Yeah, Honey Bijan's going to be somewhere you know, there. Zach, Zach, Zach Evans for our, you know the guys that like college football and listen. You have Zach Evans. You have Tank Bigsby. You have Sean Tucker. Uh, you have Jameer Gibbs. Like that's just a short list. And there's obviously depth with guys like Blake Corum coming in as well. So yeah, man, it's 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 really really ugly for Najee because eight months of you know the rest of the season like. He's not going to be able to, for one, he's not going to finish as an RB1 this season. We all knew that was coming. Um, and that is definitely not going to save his value come rookie draft season. So it's that's it. You The, the selling window is over, and you're going to eat Najee's value for as long as he's on your team. Don't forget, just don't forget Hingleman Kringleberry either. Also out there. Um, but yeah, <laughs> tier one, tier one water. Tier season. one. All right, Matt, I'm sorry to get grim on you guys. We're about to have a moment. Here lies the fantasy value of a once promising dynasty and redraft asset. Mr. Antonio Gibson. Mr. Gibson, you made us believe You made us dream. But now, now, you have put all of our hopes and dreams to rest. This past week, only five rushes, but efficient. Efficient in his five rushes, 35 yards, but it wasn't enough. Brian Robinson has supplanted this man as the starting running back. And he is simply a change of pace. (laughs) Oh, Antonio. Goodbye, young star. You burned bright in the morning sun. Antonio Gibson, Stockdale. Matt, who's your second Stockdale? I'm definitely not going to be able to live up to that. Second stock down. Let's get right into it. <laughs> David Montgomery, same song as Najee Harris, different tune for Monty. There's no sugar co- sugar coat in the Bears. Can't get enough of that sugar crisp. There's no sugar coat in the Bears disaster offensive output this season. Montgomery's reduced volume amidst the rise of Khalil Herbert and Justin Fields' rushing prowess has led to a menial 10.4 PPR points per game. Gross. 
almost a full point behind the player that is supposedly his backup in Khalil Herbert. Monty had more than twice the amount of carries that Herbert did in week six, but was outproduced on the ground 75 to 67. Also, Khalil Herbert in his first start for Monty when uh, he missed those two weeks put up over 150 rushing yards, which is something that David Montgomery has never done in 35 games of his career. His dreadful efficiency is being weighed down by career low opportunity share of just 58.3%. Like, Monty's getting fed RB2 opportunity numbers and he's producing like one on the field. Managers are backed into a corner where they maybe face to eat value on a once highly touted asset, Munch like. Yeah, Munch, exactly. Munch value. <laughs> uh, much like Najee in that sense. Uh, the Bears don't appear to be turning around their season anytime soon. I mean, the Steelers upset the Bucks, but it's not like it was on the back of Najee Harris's rushing efficiency. He fell into the end zone and they went to Chase Claypool, who was a surprise, surprise producer and led the team in receiving. But as long as the soon to be year old, 26 year old running back on a bottom feeding Bears offense is getting a less than 60% opportunity share and less than 70% snap share. I mean, he's going to put up low end RB2, RB3 numbers, and that's going to turn his value because, you know, dynasty value is always when it's the production is attached to a high perceived value guy, the value is always higher than the production. But when the low production is attached to a low perceived value guy, then the value is even lower than that production. So if he's putting up RB3 production, Monty will be valued outside of the top 40 running backs. Um, and it won't take long for that to happen. Uh, you know, I, you know, I love me some David Montgomery slander. I don't have to. I don't have to. I, I'm on back. I'm on board. <laughs> All right. Let's get into my last guy. I could do another Undertaker theme song for this guy, but I'm going to go. I'm just going to tell you because I think this guy's not dead. I think that he's going to be dropped in a lot of leagues. And I think that if you're a good team, like four and two, five and one, something like that, and you have a spot, you should make room for one Elijah Moore. Now, Elijah Moore is going to be dropped in many a league because he did not have a single target. And then he made his feelings known on Twitter which Robert Sala has already come out and spoken and said we spoke to Elijah Moore, and the way he said it was everyone makes mistakes. So seems like Elijah Moore was apologizing in that. And I think this is an – look, I'm a Jets fan. This is well known. This is an evolving offense. This offense has not found its identity yet. They're starting to find its identity with giving the ball to Brees Hall more, but the def- and the defense has found its, its identity – but this offense is still finding its identity. It still needs to find the rhythm. They've been starting games very slowly. Zach Wilson has been getting more comfortable as the games have been going on. Um, and the running game has been the the real focal point of the offense. That is not going to be the case forever. Uh, that is not going to be the case forever. The Jets are not going to be in blowout games uh, against a struggling Packers offense all the time. There's going to be situations where the Jets are going to need to score. And... When they need to score, they're going to need to pass. And I think you're going to see Elijah Moore get way more involved uh, than you see now in the future. Now, am I guaranteeing it by any chance? No. But I just think Elijah Moore is way too talented and gets open way too often to not get hit with passes when this offense opens up a bit. This offense has been a little bit gimmicky. It's a lot of it's a lot of runs and runs and runs. But Michael... You know, as much as he's, if he was on the podcast, he'd tell you uh, one of his pet peeves is that it's it's also been a predictable offense. It's pass on first and ten, and then it's run on second and and whatever, whatever it may be. It's always it's always the same thing. It's always like there's it's a very predictable offense as well. Matt Mike Lafleur, who's getting a lot of praise for beating his brother because of a couple of plays here and there. The person who should be getting praise is Brees Hall on that run where. Do you know Insane how do you, run, know, dude. do you know how ridiculous your your vision needs to be to be literally staring like west and then just break north and then and like he was staring west Incredible. and he scored on the on the northeast side of the field it was just like people I, I saw I was watching primetime after and Boomer even didn't even say nothing about it. it's like yo it's like oh the defense and, and there was this uh, the breakdown afterwards on the on the on the CBS broadcast, if you were watching, was like, oh, and this linebacker just really fucks up and over-pursues. Like, no. Any other running back would have just ran straight. Brees Hall went literally sideways and then twisted his body around and then broke three tackles to the house. Um, anyway, I'm not talking about Brees Hall. I'm talking about Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is going, <laughs> Elijah Moore is going yes, to... <laughs> Elijah Moore, I think, has a future. 
Um, if you don't have room, you he is Agreed. not a priority add. Uh, but he's a buy low for me. For he's sure. a buy low because he, he has a lot more talent than what's being shown. And th- like I said, this is an evolving offense. Uh, Matt, are you done or do you need, you have one more? Right? I do got one more. Right, I do got one more. Finish it off strong, my bro. Of, my last little bit of dynasty game theory for everybody, and it kind of just comes into the play of how difficult it is to move on from aging and declining running backs, and and how volatile that position is going to be with what we are seeing throughout the college and. The, well, the pro college uh, football system. And that's, you know, moving away from workhorses and towards a committee. And you're seeing it in both leagues. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are not the assets that we invested in. And it, yeah. it's a dis- disappointing from, you know, multiple perspectives because it's it's redraft, obviously, and dynasty related. Um, Jones's value is already declining um, amidst a perceived rise in Dillon's role. Um, and both of those things have been met with, low ceilings um from each player because they have happened dylan's role has increased aaron's role has decreased and neither one of their ceilings are at the perceived heights that they could be if they had the roles that they had in previous seasons um and the running back position is just man it's almost entirely replaceable by any functioning warm body as you long as you have a solid offensive line in front of it i mean just look at what Deion jackson did against a super solid jaguars run defense and the importance of handcuffs and redraft leagues with guys like madison and pollard like it's proven like if you you can put anybody in that starting role and unfortunately an aging Aaron jones and mediocre aj Dillon are not talented enough to hold meaningful week-to-week relevance while stifling one another in a shared backfield the packers offensive line isn't one of those offensive lines that you can just plug a warm body into they don't look nearly as strong as years past Dillon's averaging 9.3 points per game as a bruising in between the tackle stumper speaking of predictable offenses right like the if aj Dillon's out there they're running an iso up the middle um in between the guard of a tackle um and if aaron jones is out there it's probably a a swing pass to jones or a sweep stretch handoff and aaron jones is doing a little bit better at 13.2 points per game but that's nowhere near his career ceiling either and neither assets really holding water as viable trade or start pieces in dynasty circles with the packers offense struggling to even beat teams like the jets and i know the jets defense is pretty good but like the packers should be scoring points against those teams at least and they they can't seem to do that they're struggling in the red zone and both jones and dylan have minimal opportunity shares in the red zone compared to the rest of the league because they switch in and out um and like regardless of production unless god forbid one of them sees an injury you know knock on wood again um, you're not going to see an uptick in either one of their value. And I think an injury to AJ Dillon would obviously help Jones's redraft value. But again, the way that we've been talking about just how hard it is to break through that top tier, unless you're so young and in a stable running offense, you're not going to have really much um, validity on dynasty markets in the running back position until that 2023 class comes in and we see what those guys really are going to shake out to be. It's going to be very, very tough to, get what production value is worth for running backs that are over the age of 25, 26. All right. Uh, definitely a curveball at the, at the end there with some dynasty theory that we love to we, you know, Matt always dropping gems, always dropping gems. He dropped a gem uh, the other day and I can't remember exactly what it said, but he, you said it and I, I like, I got profoundly affected by it. But, but <laughs> dynasty wise. You know, profoundly dynasty wise, like it didn't change. It changed, it changed my dynasty life. Oh, he said. I wish I could remember. What he it was. said, "Oh, because I traded a lot of my picks in my startup," uh, and he said, "You can't, you can't make, a, you can't. You are doing the right thing for a win now, but you can't have a win now in a startup or something like that." I don't know. exactly so, what I said. That yeah, was actually exactly go. what I said. Boom, yeah, boom. yeah. <laughs> gems, gems. Uh, with that, that being said, good memory. We are here. <laughs> Uh, and that is it for us. Always a fun time with you, bro. Uh, Michael, get well soon. Uh, shout out to him. You can find me at BrotoFFTim on Twitter, at BrotoFFMike, at BrotoFFCasanova, at BrotoFFJason, at BrotoFantasy, at uh, FF by Broto, and at... Psychword FF. Yeah, you can't forget Psychword FF. Yo, uh, Matt, do you remember that Evanes- Evanescence song that was popular back in the day? Yes. Do you remember that's how it go? Do you remember? Do you remember that no. song, man? You don't remember how it goes? Nope. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm pretty positive. You remember. I, I can remember the music. Right? It's like, uh, wake me, wake me, uh, something like that. No? 
Another ringing I remember the music video of her falling out of an apartment window. Look, bro, I'm trying to make you sing at the end of the episode, and you're not, and you're not, and you're not playing I along. I don't know the song. <laughs> All right, Matt, asparagus. Yeah, fire. 